G'day and welcome to the Farm's Vice Podcast with your host, Jack Creswell. Whether you farm it, service it, or just love it, this podcast is for you. We'll bring you the techniques and technologies you can implement into your day straight from the leaders and innovators themselves. Spread the Farm's Vice so that we can reach more farmers right across Australia. Follow us on all of your socials at Farm's Vice and let's get into this episode. Before we get started, just to let you know, this episode is intended to be general information only, as the host and the guest do not know your personal circumstances, so please go and talk to your own accountant or the team at Biofields to get the right information for your scenario. Let's get into this episode. Welcome back to Beyond... Welcome back to Beyond the Tax Return with the team at Biofields. We've got Amon Lanigan in the virtual studio. Amon, great to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Jack. And you is it twice you've been on now? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so frequenting the airwaves a fair bit, but also dishing out some good farms advice out there so people can have a listen to wherever they are in the paddock um, or in their own office. So today, off the back of last week, talking about the budget, what is in it for Australian agriculture and farmers precisely? All right, Jack. Well, yeah, I'll run through quite a few things there that came out of the budget that really targeted around agriculture, those people on the land and those in rural communities. Um, Try not to get too political or get into any of that sort of stuff. Um, Keep it a bit lighter. Um, Yeah, probably, probably the big thing that's come out of the budget and sort of with some changes there is the end of temporary full expensing. So, yeah, temporary full expensing has been really good for farmers, the economy, rural businesses, machinery dealers especially. I think they've done pretty well out of this. Um, So basically, yeah, as we currently stand through to 30 June 2023, um, if you're a business in Australia, as long as you turn over less than $5 billion, um, which I'd say is most farmers out there, um, you can claim a full tax deduction for any asset purchases um, that are depreciable. So, yeah, you buy the new tractor, you buy a new header, you can just claim the full deduction for all of that. Um, I suppose, yeah, it's been great for the last couple of years. We've been able to write off all that depreciation. There hasn't been a heap of tax paid and there's been the ability to invest in businesses. So, yeah, it's been really good. I suppose where we're at now is at 30 June 23, that comes to an end and we go back to the old rules. Um, the old rules are if you're under $10 million of turnover um, that you, um, in the first year of purchasing an asset, you can claim uh, 15% depreciation and 30% of the balance thereafter, and it all goes into the pool. Uh, if you're over $10 million, which over the last few years, there's probably quite a few farmers out there who've pushed over that threshold with a couple of great seasons across Australia. Um, you basically go back to depreciating every asset depending on its effective life and doing either doing an assessment of that yourself or using the tax office um, stipulated lives of machinery and the like. So let's say um, you build a new shearing shed um, from the 1st of July 2023. Um, if that was on hand constructed all before 30 June, um, cost you 400 grand. Uh, you could claim a full deduction for that. Uh, from the 1st of July this year, you'll have to depreciate that over 40 years. So it's a, a big change there. Why is it depreciation over 40 years? 
uh, just because that's the effective life of a shearing shed because it's a structural improvement. So, um, yeah, like let's say a, a header or a tractor, that's six and two-third years, I think, is the number there. So, yeah, it all it all comes back to the actual asset that it is. It's probably a big one, but also planning off the back of that, um, what's something that you should probably um, plan if you haven't started to plan? Or is there nothing to go off that? I think, yeah, well, the big one's been like there's a lot of clients out there who um, have ordered machinery. It's been promised to them. It's been on a boat for the last eight months, obviously, touring all over the world. And now it's either not going to be here on in time or it's not going to be on farm and ready for use in time, which is what it's got to be. Um, I suppose the planning really comes down to, well, any, any purchase there, um, you're going to have to write off the depreciation. So it comes down to like, if you're doing a trade, writing down the trade in value a bit, um, like, well, the, the trade difference is going to be the same, but the sale value, cause that's all going to be taxable now. So it's just writing down that value. That's probably the only planning point. Um, the government has announced that, yeah, for those businesses that turn over less than 10 mil, that there'll be an instant asset write-off for low-value assets, but that's only up to 20 grand. So you buy yourself a new gen set, something like that, yeah, you'll be able to depreciate that straight up. But, um, yeah, for those higher-value assets, you just have to be um, over one of those methods we discussed before. Is that that's instant asset write-off is only on new equipment as well, isn't it? Uh, that'll be for all equipment now. Um, yep. So, yeah, you, you, you'll be fine if it's a secondhand, like it's a field bin tractor or something like that. Yeah, as long as it's new to the farm, it's coming in on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't been leasing it or something like that before. Yep. So what else is in the budget for us out in regional Australia? Um. Probably one that's not specifically for regional Australia, but um, will be handy for farmers, I suppose, with the, where a lot of people are going. Um, so businesses with turnover less than 50 mil will be able to claim a twenty an extra 20% deduction um, for spending that supports what they call electrification and more efficient use of energy. So let's say you get some, you've got solar pumps or more energy efficient machinery, you'll be able to claim an additional 20%. So what that means, let's say you um, buy a, a solar pump set up, um, maybe some farm bots, something like that. Uh, it costs you 50 grand. You'd be able to claim the $50,000 deduction plus another 10 grand, so another 20% on top of it, even though you haven't actually spent that money. All oh, right. So it goes over 100% sort of claiming yeah. that. Yeah, so you can you can only claim up to an additional twenty thousand a year, yep. but it is it's just an incentive there just to get people moving to those more energy efficient things. Um, the devil will be in the detail whether yeah you can buy a new tractor and it's more fuel efficient than the previous one. You can claim that, or we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Being on the back end of it, do you think like these sort of incentives? Are they driven straight from the get-go out of the gates and farmers are sort of looking or anyone really that is within falling within the small business energy incentive? Like will people be purchasing solar pumps or something like that, do you think? I think I think a lot of it will be like the investment decisions people are already making, just going, oh, that's great. I get a bit of extra deduction there. Um, I don't know that people will be going out and doing things that they wouldn't have otherwise. Maybe they just make sure the new purchase is more efficient than the old one. 
there. So just sort of falling into the plan of things and giving us a little bit of a bonus in the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of other ones like that. So there was last year they announced or the previous year, the small business technology investment boost. So that was, um, yeah, where you, um, you got an, a same thing again, the additional 20% deduction, um, where you were digitalizing the operations of your business, um, or like, let's say going to cloud-based services or subscriptions there. Um, that one runs out at 30 June this year, but it was never actually made law. So we still don't know where we stand on that one. The tax officers acting as though it's in, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they actually ever legislate that and we can claim those deductions. And they, yeah, they did a similar thing as well with the small business skills and training boost. So the extra 20% again, um, but that's got another year to run. So hopefully we'll see something on that before it actually runs out and we've got a bit of surety. That's probably a good one as well as um, like lack of labor within farming, agriculture, especially upskill your workforce for the farmers. Yeah. That, so that was the general idea was um, that we, yeah, while there was a labor shortage that you'd get people in, um, train them up um, and overall the people in the economy would have more skills and would be trained better. So yeah, that one, um, basically you just had to give your employees training with a registered training provider in Australia. And yeah, you could claim an extra 20% and that one wasn't actually capped. So let's say you put all your farm workers through a certificate three in agriculture. Yeah, you could claim the extra deduction for that. So that was, yeah, it was a good measure, but once again, it's never actually been legislated. Yeah, okay. And moving on to something that probably well, finished end of last year as well as harvest sort of started up and everything with the fuel charges and on-road costs. What's that one looking like? Yeah, so um, I suppose just to set the scene, um, where we're currently at with fuel tax credits is 47.7 cents a litre um, of every litre of fuel you buy. And these days where it's hovering around $2 a litre um, for diesel in a lot of places, Um yeah, makes things makes things a big chunk of that. Like it's almost twenty five percent of the cost is in that fuel tax. Um, the general idea with fuel tax is that it's levied so they can pay for the upkeep of the roads and throughout Australia. Yeah. Um, you use it in your tractor, you use it off road, use it in a standing engine. You can claim back fuel tax credits. Um, yeah, use it for power generation because that's not really what the fuel tax is designed for. Um, the other one is that, yeah, if you've got a heavy vehicle, so it's over four and a half um, gross vehicle mass, you can claim back what they call the road user charge, which is currently 27 cents. Um, that's basically just because, yeah, like a prime mover, for example, it's using about a litre per K that it does. It's probably not having the same effect on the roads as a car that's doing six litres, 100 Ks. So it's just to equalise that, but yeah. From um, the 1st of July, 2025, they're going to decrease that road user charge. Um, so basically, yeah, you'll get seven cents less back a litre for that. So the real effect of that is that um, freight costs, especially like, like grain freight and fully laden trucks, is basically going to go up seven cents per kilometre of travel. So it's going to be a big impulse across freight, um, farming and just across the economy generally 
and probably yeah the other thing to note there is yeah like the they're moving to this fully electric or want everyone to go to electric but yeah those electric cars aren't paying any road user charge because there's none levied on uh electricity so yeah it's a it's an interesting one there as to how they're going about it and whether or not there'll be a, a plan going forward yeah it doesn't really seem like that would be the best rollout and also electricity within regional australia is not always the best um and the distance wise it's a bit unnerving for um i don't know going between town and town even in an electric vehicle you sort of got a forward plan and everything um and talking about electricity you got the energy price relief plan that's coming yeah, so yeah so that's come out in the budget so basically if you're on a concession card or you're receiving an eligible government payment that's something like yeah family tax benefit um or income support um and you also the name on the electricity bill um you'll be able to you'll be eligible for bill relief so um the eastern states of australia that's $500 and it's yeah 350 in wa where we are um also small businesses and there's various levels of like of energy use so in wa i know it's 50 megawatt hours um and you've got a separate uh, meter for your business. Um, yeah, you'll get at $650. So that's across most of the states. I know Victoria's got a slightly lower rate because they're doing they're doing a relief through the state government as well. So I suppose it's just, yeah, there's a little one-off hit there. Um, that's automatically applied against the electricity bills. So I suppose it's just, yeah, a little bonus for those who are eligible, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure where that uh, small business use will really cut out. Yeah, okay. And then probably overall, what else do we have in the budget left for us in regional or even more precisely us as farmers, um, yeah. you in the business end of it? Yeah, I suppose there's a few a few changes that they've announced. Um, one that's I don't think going to fill a lot of people with joy is um, – payday superannuation so from the 1st july 2026 you not only have to pay um, an employee's wages when they're due which we all understand that needs to be done um, at the moment yeah you pay their wages you withhold the tax and remit that uh, once a quarter so from the 1st july 2026 you're also going to have to pay the employee's super at the same time and report that live to the tax office the issue there is going to be that, yeah, they haven't really got um, single-touch payroll all sorted out. I know those um, farmers who are on legacy programs like Wagemaster are struggling with single-touch payroll still. Um, and, yeah, basically the government wants more and more information out of us for that. The other thing they've announced while we're on superannuation um, or employee superannuation um, is just more funds just to really check on that. Um, basically as we currently stand superannuation is due at the end of the quarter you've got 28 days to pay it if it's paid late it's not tax deductible um, and you've also got to pay interest to the employee's superannuation fund so yeah and along with that comes a calculation statement that the accountant's got to lodge to the tax office which is a pain and usually where it's a little bit late this doesn't get done because we say, oh, it's fair enough, it's deductible, but the tax office is going to be doing data matching and they really want to catch people out on this. The other thing which is a bit iffy, in my opinion, is they've announced um, 
they're going to pay bonuses to ATO employees for identifying late super payments. So we don't know how that's going to work exactly, but yeah, you can imagine that some eager ATO employees never going to let you off with being one day late. They're, they're in there for the kill from that point forward if they're getting money for it. That sounds like the worst KPI for small business. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is a problem that people are, who are trying to do the right thing and let's say some super bounces back and doesn't get paid on time because you've, you've left it to the end. Yeah, where are you going to stand with that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that payday super will bring 2026 is coming in. So we've got a yeah. bit of time to sort of ready ourselves and everything. But yeah. a few more transactions coming as well. Is there much benefit to employee and employer? Um, yeah, I think like the employee, I suppose they're getting money in their super fund earlier. So it's going to grow a little more. But yeah, um, from the employer point of view, it's just, it's just more work to do. There's more transactions to be done. And yeah, if you're not fully automated and you haven't got a good payroll solution, I can see this being very hard. Yep. And actually our last episode with Peter Barker talking about apps and software for um, single touch payroll and everything like that. There's a few in there that may be able to help out in the long run. Yeah. I think you've really got to move towards um, yeah, doing it properly and not just having a, a wage book and yeah paying and trying to catch it up in the software later. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And covering super off a fair few points on that one. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, that next one, I was, that was a question in my head about how that would impact. Cause initially hearing that I was like, Oh, won't matter too much, but yeah, it's probably pretty big for farmers. The super. Yeah. So um, yeah, the super account balance is over three mil. Um, one is probably going to be yeah the big one that's going to affect farmers. Yep. You look at the the growth in land prices across farmland across Australia over the last few years, it's been phenomenal. Um, someone who, let's say, ten years ago, uh, put some farmland in their super, doing the right uh, like doing the right thing for their retirement, put it in there, it's grown out of sight. Um, let's say it's a million dollars now. It's yeah getting towards the the three million dollar level, which is quite foreseeable in some areas. Um, basically, the yeah, the government's confirmed its intention to levy an extra tax on that. And this won't be a tax on earnings, like if you sell it or a capital gain, it'll be on the change in value. So I suppose it's, it is, it, it probably sounds a bit worse than it actually is. Like what will happen from a planning point of view is on the 30th of June, 2025, right before this comes in, all the farmland's going to get valued and it's going to get valued right up. Um, and it's going to provide an opportunity to reduce any further gain thereafter. But yeah, I suppose what we need to see is how this how this tax is going to work. And the problem will be with yeah, if you've got a super fund um, that's just got farmland in it, how are you going to yeah get the cash to actually pay that? And if you if it's your your pension and you're using the the lease from that farmland to subsidise your retirement, yeah, how's it all going to work? Um, and yeah, let's say you go to sell that down the track is that tax you've already paid is that going to be offset against any capital gains tax yeah we're waiting to see on that one beautiful well not necessarily beautiful for everyone yeah. but the next one the amnesty for small business yeah so i suppose this is a they they roll out something like this uh, most tax times basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to get um anyone with a who's a small business turnover less than 10 mil who hasn't lodged their tax returns basically since 
the COVID days. Uh, maybe they've fallen out. Maybe they haven't got to it. Trying to re-engage those people um, in the tax system. So giving them an amnesty from late lodgement penalties, basically. So they come and yeah, lodge their tax returns um, by the end of this calendar year. Um, well, yeah, by the end of this calendar year that yeah, they'll waive those penalties. So if you if you got a bit behind and it's only it's only for income tax this like yeah if you've got late late basses and the like um yeah you can't do it for that but yeah if you you are a bit behind this is a good chance to catch up and do it without penalty righto and then pension drawdowns what's this one about yeah so um basically yeah back to the super funds you've got your your super fund there for the for the COVID years, you've basically had a bit of a bit of a holiday on having to draw down on your your pension. So let's say this is the, the classic ones where you got farmland, your super fund. You've got to draw, and you're using it as a pension. You've got to draw down a certain amount each year. So let's say you're you're seventy five years old. You got to draw, and your super fund's worth a million dollars. You have got to draw sixty grand out each year. Yeah. Um, that's fine where you you've got a hundred grand lease, but yeah, you're probably not getting that on a million dollars worth of farmland. So yeah, this is where it's been great because last year it was only three percent for that seventy five year old. Um, it just become it comes back to this issue of yeah, you you got some good assets in your super fund, but you haven't got a whole lot of cash, and it's going to start running out quicker and quicker. Um. So something I'll have to deal with a bit later on in life, but I imagine as the boomers sort of get nearing to pension age, yeah. Them. yeah. So I suppose this is it's all part of this move to yeah move away from self managed super funds. I think because yeah, if you've just got your money in a Australian super or something like that, it's easy enough. You sell up your assets and trade down. But yeah, if you got your money in a self managed fund with some farmland in there, it does make things uh, quite a bit harder. And moving to stage three, personal tax cuts. This was was this brought in by Malcolm Turnbull, or was it Scott Morrison's? And now it's going to yeah. be. Yeah. So this is one that was yeah brought in a few years ago. Um, stage one and two is already in, um, and stage three is the higher income earners. So um, the Greens came out a couple of days ago and were all over this, saying that it's going to cost. Um, Three hundred and thirteen billion over the next ten years. Well, the first ten years, and it's increasing. Um, I suppose that was sort of the point of why they were bringing this in, just to stop that bracket creep. Um, the other idea was, so people had a bit more certainty as to what tax are paying. Like beforehand, we had a thirty-two and a half percent rate. We had a thirty-seven. Well, we currently have a thirty-two and a half percent rate, a thirty-seven percent rate. I suppose now, basically, you earn well as it's legislated. Um, yeah, if you earn between 45000 and 200000 you know that you're going to be paying 30% tax on any income in that bracket. Yeah. Um, and then if you're over 200000 or more, you're going to be paying 45% plus your Medicare levy. So the general idea was that the tax system was a bit more visible. People understood a bit better what they were paying and to give everyone in the economy a, a bit of a tax break. Okay. But yes, we've got uh, one more budget there before they come in, so we'll see how that goes. Cleaning up those tax brackets a little bit there as well. Um, but yeah, that one more budget, we'll see how it all sort of pans out. It may change completely off the back of that um, <laughs> as the Greens go. 
but what what else is on the list of what's impacting us yeah um i suppose one for um yeah that a lot of people it's sort of a tax hike by stealth um is there was a low and middle income tax offset so that just hasn't been renewed um the problem was that at the start of the financial year a lot of like if you're earning wages a lot of people would include that in your as part of your pay-as-you-go withholding. Um, basically, yeah, if you're between, well, anyone on an income up to 126 grand, your tax return might reduce by between 675 and $1,500. So it's just one of those ones that, yeah, it was a little, a nice little bonus that everyone had been getting for the last couple of years. And I think, yeah, this was a um, Scott Morrison one that was bought in and everyone got the bonus, but yeah, now we're on the other end of it and you might get penalized back the other way. Yeah. Um, so it's not too much of an impact on that one there. No, no, not a, not a huge one, but just, yeah, one, especially, yeah, for those, those people who are wage earners, yep. um, who are just going to get a bit of a shock at tax time, I think. Yep. And to round this one off, we've got one left in the budget for us. What's that one? Yeah, so there's been one one issue that's been hanging around for the last couple of years, and it's um, company loans to shareholders and their associates. So it all started in 2014. There was um, a review, 2017 budget and 2019 budget. There was these reforms proposed that basically, yeah, gave a bit of clarity to um, money that was allocated to companies or money from companies that was used by shareholders and how those loans were actually going to be dealt with going forward. And there's, yeah, there's been over the years, a whole lot of changes in this and there's a lot of hybrid rules. And the idea was just to clean it all up and give everyone some, some certainty. The budget hasn't said anything about it. Um, and the issue is that, yeah, a lot of these, um, arrange, like the first lot of the arrangements are ending and we don't exactly know how they're going to be treated going forward. So it's another wait and see, but yeah, it's especially with um, seeing a lot more uh, farmers moving to a corporate structure. It's just, yeah, an interesting one if they're pulling money out for their their own needs and yeah, not necessarily paying dividends. Yep. Yeah, the family farming corporates becoming more prominent at the moment with the way that sort of expansion as well. Um, that rounds off the budget for us. Is there anything from the Byfields team that, you sort of wanted within the budget? Yeah, I suppose probably what we wanted was oh, some sort of transitional um, arrangement for the temporary full expensing. So we didn't just, it wasn't just a cut off at the end and everyone had to move on. Um, I suppose, yeah, just with some of those ones, there's going to be where yeah, you'd ordered a machine and there would have been a net tax saving. There's potentially a net tax cost now if it's not going to arrive till July. Yep. Um, that's one we would have liked to see. And the other one is um, the small business capital gains tax concessions. Um, the turnover threshold for those is still $2 million. Um, I remember when I started at Byfields, we ran some numbers and, yeah, I think it was about 60 or 70% of our clients at the time were under that threshold in one of two years. Um, these days it's about 10%. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Yeah, really stretching that and it really hurts family farm succession and yeah, having that big capital gains tax cost there. If you wanna you wanna sell up or you wanna pass it on to the next generation or you wanna sell some farmland to buy some other farmland. 
Beautiful. And anything else we needed round off for the budget for this year? No, I'll, I suppose one other one that's there's got a bit of coverage over the last couple of days is the biosecurity levy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, yeah, I suppose from a farmer's point of view, um, they're looking at this and going, well, we're, they're not the ones who've created the risk. Um, they're busy managing the consequences of what's potentially mismanaged biosecurity for previous years and decades. Um, yeah. So the government's come out and announced that they want to raise it's hundred bit over $150 million from farmers in three years or farmers, fishers and forestry. Um, and I just, yeah, quickly before this looked up some numbers. So livestock producers are going to pay approximately a hundred, uh, sorry, 50 cents extra per head and grains levies are going to increase by 10%. Well, 10% of the, levy so it's going to go from one percent to 1.1 percent it doesn't sound like much in the initial sort of stage but it does add up doesn't it yeah i think the the thing that um uh, grain producers australia are a bit concerned about was yeah there's been a lot of stuff around fmd and foot and uh foot and mouth and yeah some other livestock diseases but yeah on this modeling they're going to be paying 60 percent of the biosecurity levies from farmers so uh, are those grain producers going to get back what they've paid for? Yeah. Yeah, one of those things, I suppose, a bit of a grey area. It really just sounds like the government sort of cleaning up their Excel sheets, clarifying what the last government sort of left for them and seeing where they can improve it maybe in the next budget. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah there's... It seems like there was more in this one for us than there was last time, though. Yeah, there's definitely more stuff. Um, yeah, it's... It's one of those budgets where there's not a lot of um, huge things coming out of it, not like there was, let's say, three or four years ago and some big changes. But, yeah, I suppose we're in a bit more of a consolidation phase as far as yep. budgets and those sort of things. Yeah, we'll have to play it by ear as farmers. Amon, thanks for coming on to the podcast. Before I was meant to ask you before, how's the scenario sort of playing out for planting season over in WA? Um, yeah, it's getting a bit dry. There's a few areas that have got some good early rains, but yeah, we could really do with some more rain, especially in the, the northern wheat belt. Um, yeah, they're they're really crying out for it because they didn't get that early rain. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, like, likewise over here, it's really patchy though. Like a few mates have had really good runs and then where dries a chip pretty well. One paddock in, a few more to go. Well, let's hope there's a bit more on the horizon. Too easy. Well, Aaron, thanks for coming on to the podcast once again and passing on your own expertise um, on the Beyond the Tax Return series with yourself and Byfields. Do you know who else from the team is going to be coming on next? Uh, sorry, Jay, I haven't actually uh, had a look at the roster, but yeah, there'll be a few a few interesting people with some interesting topics and a bit to say. Can't wait to hear it. This Farms Advice episode does not stop here. Come and join the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, and even join our Facebook group. Go to farmsadvice.com.au for more on this episode and spread the hashtag Farms Advice to your mates. If you can leave a review on Apple or Spotify, that will let other farmers find us too. But until then, see you next Tuesday. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Farmsize podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community.
We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people today.